0: equity of up to 150 million pounds.
1: Like you're not here to have fun, you're here to win games. <laughs> we want to try to reduce this gap.
2: I think that... Uh...
0: Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 114 and it is an episode in which we are probably going to talk a little bit about a game, but a lot more about a club and a club in crisis mode uh, crisis talks being held. We are recording this uh, just for context uh, early Sunday afternoon in the States um, and we're pretty much just watching Twitter waiting for the manager at Tottenham Hotspur to either get the sack not get the sack We're waiting for some clarity. Uh, We were going to record this on Saturday right after the match. Decided, hey, let's kick this down the curb uh, about 24 hours just in case we all wake up on Sunday morning and Antonio Conte is no longer in charge at Spurs, but uh, that has not yet happened, which I've got to admit personally is a little bit surprising after the rant he went on following the match against Southampton yesterday, Uh, but we are going to get into all of that and we're going to talk a little bit about the game, but uh, like I said, a lot more about this whole damn situation and uh just everything that is has come about with it uh we're also going to touch a little bit later on on the women's team who got off the schneid and ended a long long losing streak with a win earlier this week uh but before we get into that let's uh let's go around the room here we've got scott with us he is at dsm spurs scott how you feeling man
3: chilling relaxing watching the the Rome derby this morning and taking in some good soccer i think uh i I find myself at the end of the road that I felt we were walking down and eventually le- getting to for for quite a while, so I think when when the quotes dropped yesterday, my reaction was, oh, there it is. been waiting for these but uh but yeah, here here we are. Happy Sunday. We will call you boys to
0: men. You are at the end of the road. uh Caroline is also <laughs> with us. she's at c g Stefco how are you feeling? I know Bayern just lost, so we're catching you a little bit extra raw than we perhaps normally would because Kante's not been fired, Spurs suffered a debilitating draw, and your beloved Bayern Munich just suffered defeat as well. So are, are you okay is my question.
1: I'm okay. I might be a little grouchy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, just like Scott said, when those comments dropped yesterday, I really thought the club was going to act swiftly. And removing him and you know i was disappointed when it didn't happen immediately after the game yesterday and then to wake up today and they still haven't sacked him i'm just i'm not getting it
0: <laughs> my my full goal is to to get the really grouchy angry kaz on the pod today and i'm gonna do my best to poke and prod that uh that that mood out of you uh nothing personal but yeah the claws i want them to be out uh Shuban is also with us at the real Shuban what's going on man
2: yeah i'm good man I hope, I hope the claws come out but no farts many cats or anything like that <laughs> yeah and, um, no um uh do you know what yesterday was um it, it's an inter- it's, it, it's interesting that's all i'm gonna say about that really um, yeah it, it was that it was that for sure
0: uh, I'm doing this podcast with a very flatulent cat on my lap, which is not great, but um, we're battling through it. Everybody's Everybody's got their their crises they're battling through, um, and that's just mine, so uh, I will I will live with that. Um, where do you guys want to start with this? So we want to talk a little bit about the game first and just get that out of the way. I think that's probably the best way to approach it. Um, this was I, – I feel like Tottenham Hotspur this season have had a lot of matches where if they have either – drawn or you know, if they've not gotten the full three points, it has been because they didn't have enough going for them offensively and weren't able to get that extra goal. This was not the case in this match at the St. Mary's. Um, they got three goals, which should have been more than enough to beat a bottom-of-the-table Southampton squad, uh, even though, you know, they got the, the goal right before halftime and then gave up the equalizer coming right out of halftime. Uh, to get the two goals that they did, in the 65th and 74th minutes to take a three, one lead into those final 15 minutes of a match and not see it out. This was almost the opposite of the problem that we've had throughout this season, Scott and the defense just, just failed in the end. And I know we're going to come on to what was a really, really controversial VAR decision at the end that allowed Southampton that final penalty. And that's all well and good. And and we will talk about that, but this was just a failing of you cannot give up three goals to a bottom of the table Southampton squad like this in the fashion that they did, especially giving up two of them in the final 15 minutes and expect, you know, anything positive to come out of it. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it's, you know, more, more so than just conceding the goals. It's the fact that we conceded them both times after we, after we had scored, um, you know, shortly after us scoring is what I'm trying to say here, but it's it's extremely frustrating for me that that is simply lack of concentration at that point when you can see it after you score it's simple lack of concentration it happened twice against a team who scores less than one goal a game statistically and as you said is dead last in the league they're fucking terrible southampton sucks and we let them score twice after we went ahead it's unacceptable I know we'll talk about the penalty. I don't even give a fuck about that call because the fact that we put ourselves in a position for that to happen is just asinine in itself. So just another stupid display from Tottenham, whether it's we can't score or we can't defend, we just can't seem to put our concentration together for a full 90 minutes. And dare I say that's on the fucking manager? We'll get into that. But, yeah, not not a great result.
0: Caroline, I know you feel similarly about the fact that, yeah, the penalty was – joke and a travesty and all those things, but also you can't you you have to see out a two-goal lead with 15 minutes to play, right? Like it's 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 kind of a joke that 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 Spurs even let it get to that point.
1: It is. And you know, I feel like this game was kind of atypical for how we played this season because this was only our fourth draw, right? We've had, you know, for the most part games where we either play really positively or really negatively. I can only think of a few where it's been like a really close margin win with lots of goals and lots of conceded goals. Um, But in this game, we kind of had everything, you know, it's like we we were creating chances. And it's honestly sad that Poro and Perisic both got their first goal for Spurs in this game. And now it's overshadowed by everything that followed after but you know the truth is the defense just was not sharp enough on any of the goals we conceded um, and you know I agree that the penalty decision on SAR was a total farce but at the same time I can also see the argument that he wasn't being very savvy in his movement like he gave Maitland Niles an opportunity to you know, draw the foul, as we would say in basketball. You can
0: say dive. Um, it's okay. You can say dive. So I'll allow it. I'll, I, I
1: don't think it should have been a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I, and he looked like he knew what he was doing, judging by a reaction shot that I saw from afterwards. But you know, like Scott said, we put ourselves in this position to get screwed over and we should know by now that VAR very, very rarely intervenes on our behalf in a positive manner. So I, you know, I feel like we blew this game and we definitely didn't deserve to win.
0: Shubhan, VAR at this point, it, I don't, I, I don't feel like we hear enough about it over here in the States and maybe there's a different vibe across the pond. Is it just, is it the farce that we really think it is? Is, is there going to be any change to the system at, at any point in time? Because it's, I don't understand how. You know, we saw we saw these decisions last week against Forest too that were just bizarre. And I was just going to say any, that I was didn't just make say any that. sense. Yeah, and and it's just every week. I was and say that. it's and and it feels like it. I, I, look at me. I'm. I can't. I don't even know what to say about it. It's it's a joke at this point.
2: So here's the thing. I I don't have AR works like obviously I'm assuming you're using the NFL model, but I don't I don't know exactly, but. You were in the stadium as well. The VAR decision seemed to go for an eternity. So for, for me, it should be like, as soon as they get the goal, they should be like literally watching it live and doing all the lines, blah, 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 blah. And if it takes over a minute, then do you know what? You give advantage to the attacker. That's it. If it goes, if it goes over a minute, you've got one minute to make that decision and that's it. And then you move on. Simple as. That's the first thing. Yesterday, the VAR said It's a penalty. They didn't even tell the referee, go look at this. VAR called it a penalty. He didn't even go to the thing. So that, for me, is literally, so for those, of you, those of you who knows what I do, I work in order, and one of the things we do, we have definite rules, and you do all these rules. And they may be pointless, but there's a protocol that you follow. If you don't follow it, if something goes wrong, that's when you're in shit, ho- shit creek. So it should be a case of VAR should have said, I don't have VARs to work. It's like it's clear and so you may have missed something. Go look at it. Because 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 the referee has to referee of the game. The referee in the stadium has to referee of the game. And if they said we saw something, but you know what? Go look at it and judge for yourself. That's fine. But he, they didn't do that. So again, VAR was not pro- done properly. Now, just to put it in context, apparently Forrest complained about VAR or complained about something, and then magically they got like a, a, a they got like a penalty against us. I'm not saying that's the same thing, but. Unless they actually do say, unless you are very vocal about it and actually said, you know what? This is bullshit. We are calling it. We're making an official complaint. I want to speak to your supervisor or something. You know, we need to call it out. But then it'll be seen as spur Sal Graves. So it's one of those things where I, I, I don't know how best to handle this. But I've seen, we, we've seen, I mean, you saw, you, you were in the pitch. I mean, I think how long was it? I think a good three, two, three minutes. It, it was I think it was
0: close. I would think it was close to three or four. And and it is awkward when you're sitting in the stadium and there are no replays being shown on uh, the replay boards, and you're just kind of sitting there, honestly, with with your with your hand down your pants, like what the what the fuck are we doing here? Like there's there's no there's no recourse when you're watching it on television. At least you get you know different replays and can see. But like it's just it's a it's a system in in so many ways
2: and, and, and this is the whole nfl thing because from what i remember because scotty's scotty and uh, i think then taking me to a few nfl games and it's they've someone the people have said to me the reason i, don't, I said like, i've been to them it wasn't really for me i said well nfl is more of a tv you'll enjoy it more on watching it on tv than you will watching it live and i'm like okay so clearly that's not what it's meant to be about you're meant to enjoy the live experience more than you are in the te- television thing. So something has clearly gone wrong with um, this whole VAR thing. We know it's been a problematic, it's been it's been around for what, four or five years? So there's still, still kinks in it and they still have to admit that they're still getting things wrong. There's things wrong with the frame rate and everything else. So there's clearly, they are getting things wrong with it. I would prefer to say, Do you know what? We are working in VAR, it's still a work in progress. It is not the oracle of truth. Don't treat it as that, but we are working on it and bear with us. We are trying to get it better, but they're not because referees tend to be, you know, well, I'm not going to say anything because I'll get in trouble.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting though, that you bring up the VAR decision from the last game, which was, you know, overruling Richarlison's goal. Cause that made me think about a really important factor in this game that we haven't mentioned yet, which is that, we saw really early first-half injuries to Richarlison and also to Ben Davis. Yep. And in that Forest game, I feel like they were both really integral in the more positive style of play that we had in the Forest match. And to have them both exit the game early, I feel like, really kind of scuppered the plan, and we did not look quite the same, you know, not as organized um, or as creative either.
0: Yeah, you took me right where I was going next, Caroline, with with the sh- kind of the the weirdness of this match because there were four different sub. You know, we had the two separate injuries that led to substitutions early on, and Southampton had two of their own all within the first you know first half of this match, and it was kind of very disjointed because neither team. I mean, Southampton had, uh, lost both of their their center backs in this match. Ended up having to bring in. What, wasn't it Maitland-Niles that ended up having to play center back uh, who, you know, ended up, I, I will say it again, diving to to, to get this late call, um, which is exactly what a former Arsenal scumbag would do. Um, but honestly, like, it, it was a very disjointed and weird first half, which I think is what made the Poro goal so important because Poro getting that goal right before half, and, and, and here's where I kind of want to... I want to focus in on a couple of different, you know, really just him and, and, and almost Paris, such the goal scorers, because the, the poor goal, he was getting so much space. He was getting almost as much space as Emerson Royal normally does down that right side. And it's almost similar to the space that we saw him get last week against forest. And I think we're seeing now with Pedro Poro. Yeah. He's still a massive defensive liability, but when he gets all that space and he gets that many chances, he was bound to get one. And that was a great goal. He was given great space. Awesome job by him. That really carried momentum. At least I thought it would into the second half. Now we come out right away and give up the equalizer, but you know, the offense did seem to, 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 to get its, its, its groove in that second half. And honestly, I thought this was the best game that Kulisevsky had played in quite some time. Uh, the assist that he banged to Kane for the header was just vintage shit. Um, And then honestly, the Parisic goal, you know, we've had a lot of conversation about Ivan Parisic, both internally here at the depot and and even on the pod about what we've expected from him. And it it did kind of surprise me to realize this was his first goal for Spurs in mid-March. But at the same time, I just am not going to, I'm still not going to the point where I think that Ivan Parisic has had a terrible season. I, and I know at least two of you here are going to push back on that and I'm fine with it, but I just didn't expect a lot from a 34 year old coming in to play wing back and to try to be the the guiding light, the helping hand for Ryan Sessegnon, who cannot stay on the pitch health wise. He's Perisic has played so much this year, and yeah, I, I would have rather seen Ben Davis be able to stay on the pitch and stay out there again. But he came in, and I thought he actually gave a really good effort in relief of of Ben Davis and his injury. I thought he played fairly well. Um, I thought he was able to move the ball out of the, the defensive zones, and then the goal was just—it it, was—it was really well taken. And he was—he was even producing stuff from that left side that we haven't seen a lot out of him. So I just wanted to kind of acknowledge the fact that that was a really good effort from him in a in a spot where he was forced into the match because of injury.
3: Well, I, I don't—I don't like hold Parisis responsible for me being one of these people that says he hasn't had a good season. I say that because he has one goal, fullback started to produce um he has a few assists i'll give him that but he but we can see the ton of goals when he's on the field cuz he doesn't defend so it, and 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 so if you're not if you're not contributing to the attack and your plus minus is is in the negative as a defender as a wing back like you're really not doing anything good for the club at that point statistically speaking so i don't but i don't hold them accountable I, I might question why we thought he was capable of playing wing back in the Premier League at this age. Honestly, I don't, but I don't, I don't like sit here and say Paris is a shit. Fuck that guy. He's a great player. Just hasn't really worked out. Um, and yesterday neither wingback played good because we couldn't control the ball. Like, yeah, they both scored, but we, we could not get the ball out of our own half in the second half. And in this formation, when you can't control the ball, it's on the wingbacks. I've said it a million times, right? Which is why I question why we use them still another conversation that leads into why the fuck is Conte still our manager. But the wing backs didn't play as good as I think two goals should make us think they did yesterday, if I'm honest.
0: I think that was I think the what you're saying about the wing backs is is partially true. I think it was way less on the wing backs than it was on the two midfielders because I thought Hoybier and Skip both had a very poor day as a collective. Well, it's, it feeds Two-man into field. each other.
3: It's, it's chicken and egg for me. Like one, you know, they they when one of them isn't clicking, it really strains the other. And so I think they probably both both pairings play pretty poorly if we want to get down to it. And it's all compounds. And I think and, and it's pretty intertwined. So, um, you know, like we and, and again, I, I know I know this is something we all understand. I'm just talking a lot at this point, but that 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 midfield is a line of four people. Right. And it's the wingbacks and the two midfielders. And when it's off, it's off.
1: Well, and as far as Perisic goes, when he joined the team, the reason I was so excited about that transfer is because I was excited about his versatility—the fact that he could be played also as winger on either side—and we really just have not seen, you know, Conte use him in different ways. He's he's predominantly been at that left wing back spot, so. I, like you said, Scott, it's not entirely on him that he hasn't had the best season. I think he's not been employed the best way he could be. Um, but for me, it, it is just the defensive side of his game is not strong enough for the system that Conte wants to play. And I think if you go back and look at at least one or two of the goals, you can see Paris Sitch, um was definitely involved in the breakdown in the defense.
0: I, I guess I just I, – I guess I push back a little bit maybe on – what you would have expected then, Caroline, from Parisi, because if you would have expected him to play more as a winger, is he is he usurping Son Kulisevsky, and Richarlison, or at least two of those players to to break into that front three? Because he's obviously not playing in the in the middle where where Kane would play. I just I, if he's going to play winger, he's got three other guys. At least he's got to climb over two of those three guys to to crack that front line. And I just feel like he's he's more needed and utilized in the wingback spot, especially because it's something that he's done under Conte.
1: Well, I do think he has been more needed from a logistical sense at left wing back, just because of our injury situation. But before any of those, you know, injuries happened, the transfer out of Doherty, you know, putting all that aside, I did expect him to be used more as rotation at winger. Yeah. Um, because I think we've seen the effect on son of, of constantly being started, even when he's been out of form, it's not been good for him. And it's definitely not been good for the players lower down in the pecking order, you know, who should have been getting minutes like now Denjuma has come in. Um, but I was, I think what I was hoping was that Conte was going to be a little smarter about rotating within the forward line so that our players didn't get to this situation where some of them are, clearly suffering from overplaying, you know, I think we've seen it with Kulishevsky too. And again, Perisic is someone who can play on either side. So it's, I I think it's mismanagement by Conte, honestly.
3: Well, and I think one thing I noticed the last couple of times Perisic has played is he doesn't, he he doesn't invert. And if you watch our right wing back, they often invert, right? And Perisic doesn't invert very much and make those runs inside. And I don't know if if that's instructed to be happening that way, but he makes his runs outside where, where it would be at Emerson or Poro. Poro makes a little bit of both, but Emerson's been very effective making those runs inside, and I don't see those from Perisic, and I start to suspect that they, that may be why him and Son have such a hard time playing together because I I think Son often does occupy that space out why the Perisic is occupying a lot of the times. So we've kind of talked about that. Um i don't know it's 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 interesting to to to, to start to break down the differentiation and play between parisic and some of these other wingbacks
0: that's all fair uh did you guys have anything else specific to the game you wanted to talk about before we get into gestures wildly all one the thing. other shit going on Sorry. go ahead shoops
2: so one thing i don't understand is we were three three two up and i understand why he brought on Sarg. obviously we had limited uh, scope um uh, substitutions because obviously the injuries, but yeah. I just don't understand. We've got Lucas and Dan Juma. You're less, you know, I mean, I'm not, it's a stick or twist, whatever. But you know what? If you've got someone with the speed of those two, um, Kane looked leggy, um, but you have someone that can just literally just say, Do you know what? Have some, have someone like Sonny's speed or Lucas speed or Dan Juma's that keeps the, the Safan defenders honest and they're thinking, oh my God, we can't go as forward as much. So we're going to have to try and be very careful because we want to be a counter-shacking team. You you want to use speed. Well, you've got two really quick guys there, Lucas and Dan Juma, who I don't know why either wasn't used yesterday. You know, it's interesting. I, I didn't even... I don't even
0: think I realized... I I went to the pub yesterday, watched the game. I don't even think I realized that he had brought on Kulusevsky, obviously, for Richarlison and then took him off in the 86th minute uh, when he brought on... I guess that would have been for for Sar. Um I don't even I don't even think I recognize that and you're you're kind of right. He he could have used one more sub in that final sub window that he had and it could have been Lucas or Donjuma for uh for Son or Kane just to get another f- fresh pair of legs, but I did I did really like the move of taking off Kulisevsky for Sar to get a little bit more control on that midfield. Now, somebody would say, "Well, Sar's the one that quote-unquote committed the penalty but did he really and I I had no problem with trying to get a little bit more control in that midfield because as I mentioned earlier I thought that Skip and Hoybier both kind of struggled in their own ways throughout the match yesterday and I think that getting a third guy in there trying to try and clog things up and control things as you're trying to see out the game I thought that was was the right move to make but you're right I, I wouldn't have had a problem had he pulled Sun off for either Lucas or Donjuma to try and get someone with just it's weird to say someone with a little more pace than son because son we feel like has all the pace in the world but he's obviously um had his struggles this season for the most part and you know did 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 have an assist yesterday like credit to him did score last week we we've seen him coming on a little bit better of late but um i I don't i don't really hate that shout it it, but but overall i did like going to the three-man midfield uh, it just obviously didn't work out, and you know, and we saw. We're we're still kind of waiting for, on information coming out of this game. If if you haven't heard, there's a lot more that we're waiting on information about. But injury wise, we're waiting on information about Richarlison's injury, about Ben Davis. You know, uh, Caroline mentions in, in in our chat here, Kulisevsky apparently got a knock, which is news to me. I didn't even realize that. So there is. Potentially more crisis than even the actual crisis at Spurs in terms of injuries. Luckily we are heading into an international break. Spurs have more than two weeks before their next match, which is on Monday, April 3rd against Everton. Um, As we transition here, I guess the question is who will be in the dugout for that match. And that is the question we're all asking. Everyone saw and read and heard and has been talking about on the internet, everything that Conte did said, um last week and i guess that the latest update is you know here on sunday afternoon is kind of that conte reportedly explained to members of the board last night that his comments were directed at players and not at the board which i will just straight up call bullshit on because you heard the comments you can't say that you you know you can't say that you called a dog a dog a, a cat you, it, you know it's these things just don't don't drive with me so um i, I don't even really have a question here other than to just uh, scott i'm gonna start with you like where the fuck do we go from here this is this is officially reached an untenable position and i know there is there is a divide within this strangely enough within the supporters of Still of Conte in, Conte out. I just I feel like this thing has run its course, and now with ten games left, I feel like,
3: what are we even doing here anymore? It's a dangerous question to ask me, man. Lots of opportunities to speculate and talk for a long time, but I uh, I, I I will say that the only direction that I can definitively say we go is one that is away from Conte, um, and the quicker the better. I'm not like not angry with Conte. I don't I don't whatever like he said what he said he feels what he feels everyone's everyone's feelings are valid regardless of whether or not I agree with them but it's just clear to me that Conte is not the right person to lead this club anymore if that's the way that he feels I certainly can't think the players think that he's the right person to lead this club if that's the way he feels and sure the players have underperformed but oldest saying in the podcast world you can't sell the whole team right um and replace all of them so we're gonna have to change the manager um you know if i want to throw out an answer as to what exactly happens if i'm a guessing person i think it's pretty clear that ryan mason will get a shot to caretake the club throughout throughout the season and you know i just hope from there that we have a plan be it's mason or or you know some other names that i'm interested or or Thomas Frank, I'm very interested in in Dzarby from Brighton. I think he's probably my number one choice. Um, if it's not Pochettino, Ray, which is kind of like my heart more than my head, but um, I would think that w- we would be wise to give Mason a chance to run the rest of the season, see what happens, and then make a decision. And like I said, if it's Ryan Mason, I look at I look at clubs like Arsenal, um, you know, and a few others out there that I'm drawing a blank on that have have. You know, just brought somebody in who was a little younger and um, willing willing to commit to a plan. You know, Caroline mentioned Nagelsman was quite young when he took his first opportunity, and you know I'm sure she can speak to that better than I can. And you know, the the, the gentleman who's currently managing St. Pauli at 30 years old is on an eight game winning streak in his first eight games in charge. He knows the game, so um, I look at Mason's last two years under under Conte and some time under Mourinho before that, and every reason to think that, that he is a very capable manager who could do some really wonderful things. So um, a lot could happen, but whatever it is, we have to have a plan and we need to stick to it. I'm tired of of us chasing dreams.
0: So before we even go further and talking about potential next managers, I do kind of want to hone in on this idea that Antonio Conte went to the podium yesterday, Caroline, and he bashed the board. He bashed the players he, there's, there's, there's no, there's not even opinion with this stuff. Like the things that he said were all fireable offenses. Even if some of the things that he said, people believe in. People, you know, some of the things he said about ownership being here twenty years and not having won anything, but aside from one league cup fifteen years ago, obviously in parentheses. Uh, but he, he went after emotionally went after a lot of different aspects of this club. And this, when you pair this with things that he said, like going back a week and a half, talking about uh, how top four is like winning the Premier League for this club, which I, which I think is the thing that he still has said that most pissed me off because it's setting, it, that, that is not to dare to do. It's setting expectations at such a level that I'm not, I'm not comfortable with. Um, the fact that he went after all the people he went after in the way that he did is not only a fireable offense but like i mentioned earlier we all woke up on a sunday morning today and it's now you know sunday evening where shuban is and this has still not happened and to me that shows some kind of i guess cowardice from daniel levy and the board and i don't really have a problem saying that I, where where are you with with this whole vibe the whole workplace vibe that is obviously pretty much been lit on fire by this man at this point
1: well you said that there can't be any opinions about it but honestly there's a lot of people who i think are just getting caught up in conte's sort of cult of personality and see him as this like firebrand truth sayer and you know he's given us the hard truths and we just we need to hear the message but I, I really think they are ignoring the manner in which that message was delivered. I, to me, it was just blatantly disrespectful, insulting to the club, insulting to the fans, even if he, you know, I think at one point he tried to say the players need to be apologizing to the fans. And it's like, you're you're not making me feel any better than these players are right now, Antonio. <laughs> and honestly, I I don't think... I don't want to think that it's cowardice by the club that they haven't, you know, fired him just yet. I'm hoping it's just that it's some sort of contract situation, legal papers, you know, things needing to get sorted out properly for them to do it the right way. But in in my opinion, he has to go after this because he's really embarrassed the club. He's put us in a position to be laughed at by other fan bases, other clubs. Um, and I just I don't see how you could watch that press conference and see his body language and hear his tone and think that he had the club's best um, wish. It what am I trying to say here? Um, he he the doesn't club's have best good interest in, in mind. Interest, yes, thank you. He his intentions are not positive at this point, and I, I we just can't continue with him. It's just going to lead to the team stagnating because they don't want to play for him. We could lose our top four position. I don't think we can afford to take that risk of just seeing out the rest of his contract. I really feel like they need to act now.
0: I think that when I say "in,", in, in there's no real opinion to be had, what I mean by that is there's no real opinion. It, it, it's, it's pure fact that Conte attacked both the board and the players yesterday. Like you can't, you can't say he wasn't, in attack mode and almost to the point where he was asking for a sacking yesterday. And that's kind of what I mean by, there's no real opinion to be had there. There is however opinion to be had over what a lot of the things that he was saying were right. And that's where I'm going to go to Shubhan. Cause I know you feel pretty strongly that some of the things that he said were,
2: were kind of on point, right? Well, I'm saying, well, here's the thing I, 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 from what I'm saying is what did he say? That was untrue. Now, I'm totally with Kaz on the fact that I think he said it out of pure self interest and self preservation. That is without doubt. He wasn't motivated out of love for the club. That's why he's whistleblowing and calling it like it is. He's doing it to massage his reputation because he pretty much knows that at the end of this at the end of this season he's gone. So therefore he's trying to basically launder his reputation as much as he can so i don't dispute that what he's saying isn't from a place of um uh, it's not from a benevolent place he's doing it completely self-serving but at the same time what is he saying that is not untrue we have only won one trophy in 20 plus years of enic ownership we have and to be fair um what, what was it um who was that guy the uh UV, UV guy? I forgot his name now. Called out, says, I suppose you're used to this, Spurs have a culture of failure, and he's not exactly wrong there either. We have made you know, we, you know, it's called Spursy for a reason. We it said Dr. Tottenham for a reason, you know. Now, personally, do I feel you should have said that? No, you are employed by the club. It's kind of like if I said something about my employer. And even if I was 100% right, they'd have every right to fire me and they should do because I didn't go for the proper channels and voice it and blah, 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 blah. So definitely, I feel that he has breached part of his contract in terms of doing what he's doing. But ultimately, it's what they do next. And I said to Andrew yesterday, for me, the best way Spurs can deal with this right now is to put him on compassionate gardening leave and let Stellini and... Uh, Ryan may take over and just say, look, because if he says anything else, then he, he looks like a dick. He said, wait a minute, he's come through, he's had the gallbladder, he's had this, 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 this. We yeah. feel that it's best for Antonio Conte to go on compassionate leave, to let him really self-heal, blah, 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 blah. And that way we get to fire him without really firing him. And if we, if we, if he says anything, he comes across like a dick. So that's how the club wins. Because it's, you because know, for me to fire him is easy. I think definitely get rid of him, keep him on the sidelines, get him away from. Because right now, if I'm a player and if someone's called me out that way, I think Scott spoke so this yesterday. And Scott, I've never led anyone, I've never managed people officially because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be have someone to be responsible for other people. I'm had I have enough trouble trying to be responsible for myself, Learn for other people. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore i don't want to be that person i honestly don't i never ever want to be have people responsible for now personally yeah, like i always said, alex Ferguson and hair dry treatment i mean actually actually I, actually actually i've been asked this but that's a cat actually didn't trapertone do something similar when he was at by munich didn't trapertone do something similar when he he called out a lot of the by munich management or something I don't know cause I, because i only ask because i know apparently i read something about that so i don't know whether this is something that you know culturally that's how managers are used to doing or whatever well, because
0: listen i mean i, I think we yeah. know for for a fact that the the money and the timeline of this is not a it's not an issue at this point like Conte's contract runs out in 10 games if they were going to kick him to the curb and pay him off that number is not going to be an exorbitant number and to your point about what you and Scott were, were talking about, Shuban, like there is a, there is something to the, just the, the proper workplace etiquette. And I, I know that that's silly. Cause we're talking about, you know, we're talking about football and we're talking about being in the public eye and, you know, your office or Scott's office or Caroline's office or my office are not in the public eye in the same way that Antonio Conte's office is, but you can't, do some of the, you can't say publicly or to your bosses, call your bosses out publicly like he did and get away with it. And that's kind of what I mean about the cowardice, because if, if, if a, if a board is not going to listen to those comments that are said publicly and react to them in any kind, I mean, it's, it's weird. I almost feel like he should at least be fined for what he said yesterday. And I know that's trivial and stupid, but like, and it doesn't really mean much to a guy like Antonio Conte, who has obviously made millions upon millions upon millions in his career and is set for life. Like, it seems like a trivial thing to be talking about it. But like, just from a business standpoint and a workplace standpoint, you can't do the type of shit that he did yesterday and get away with it. It doesn't. And that's what I mean by the cowardice. Like, I think he should be fired just based on, you know, like you said, she on brief of contract, but you or I could not go to our bosses and say the kind of shit that we did about other employees and get away with it. It's just weird in this context that he's so far able to do so without consequence. Right.
3: I I think for me, the biggest thing is whether or not he should or shouldn't or can and can't. I just, I'm not really interested in, 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 you know, the type of manager that thinks they're bigger than the club. Mourinho is the same way. And look, you Progress requires egos. It also requires humble people, right? It requires both. But I, I'm not going to think less of the man for thinking that he might be bigger than the club. He's won a ton. He's won a ton, right? He deserves to feel however he wants to feel about himself. But he's not bigger than the club to me. Maybe, maybe he is to himself, but not to me. And I, I just don't want someone in charge of the club who would be willing to, to throw any. Anything other than himself under the bus when when our backs are against the wall as a club, right, especially the players. There are players on this team who are not talented enough for us to compete for what we want to compete for. No one's going to sit here and disagree with that. But that is your team, your group. Protect them, right? It's as simple as that. I don't I don't care if you walk into that room. And tell every single one of them they are shit, and to hang their boots up. And the youth team is playing. I don't care. But when you go to the press, you do not say what you what he said yesterday. Again, it's as simple as that, right? Um, look, I just want to point out to it it
0: Scott, that there's going to be people who say these. Th- there, there will be people who hear you say that and say, "No, these players don't need protecting. They've been protected enough. They've been, they've been coddled." And there's too many of them here that have been here for too sure. long.
3: That's fine, but for me, it's all about the manager and leadership and what happens at the front and at the top. Like, I don't care if these players should or shouldn't be protected. The manager should always protect their players, no matter what we want to think about who or who should and shouldn't be protected, right? doesn't matter. Um, so people can feel however they want to feel about those comments. Sure, there are players who do not deserve to be protected. They must be. It does not matter, right? Until the board gets them out and replaces them with players who will not need protected, you protect what your your players. And again, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying if you're not that type of manager, I have no interest in you managing my club. That's all I'm saying, right? My opinion is that that is the type of leadership that I want nowhere near the organization. Let's move on.
1: And, you know, I don't even get this idea of the players being protected. There's no protection from angry fans, for example, you know, a lot of these players have suffered a lot of abuse online. And I think there's a lot of people on our fan base that really need to look at themselves and ask what they're actually supporting and how are they supporting the club? Because constantly digging out the same players again and again, I don't think is productive. Um, But you know, the thing that was just the most frustrating to me about this whole Conte press conference situation is his complete lack of willingness to take responsibility for his part in times that we've stumbled this season because you know he he got us to this point last season where we achieved top four and which you know he is now calling a miracle which is a whole other thing but so how does he explain the fact that he got a lot of investment over the last two windows the last three if you include you know since he joined the club originally And for us to now be in this position where we're playing worse, how does that not come down to his management? I just don't see how you get around that. And, you know, I I saw a comment from Jamie Carragher kind of along these lines where, you know, for one thing, he said his point about Spurs not winning for a long time is right, but you don't speak about your own club like that. You know, as Andrew said, how is this not going to at least lead to a fine? Because we see players get fined all the time for saying things. Um, but then he went on to Gianni, say, Danny
0: Rose can attest to that.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but Kerriger went on to say the improvement in arsenal this season after finishing above Spurs last season kills a lot of Conte's arguments. And it's really true because, you know, we've talked all season mm. about the fact that whether we like it or not, and obviously we don't, Arteta has done a good job with these players because, you know, he, they have belief in him. And he knows how to get the best out of them because, you know, if you look at some of the Arsenal squad, they have weaknesses, but he's, he's doing a good job of actually doing his job and managing.
0: I almost feel as if there, there, there's a, there's a happy medium that needs to be found between the Pochettino type of manager who is always going to blame himself and who the most, I mean, we always reference this. The most kind of controversial thing that Pochettino ever said about the club was that they've built the house. Now they need to buy the furniture that fits with the house. Like, honestly, what what else did Pochettino really say during his tenure that was as scathing as that? Which in reality, when you look back after we've gone through a Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte stint, that was not scathing at all. That's very you're, – you're using a metaphor and you're doing it in a – in a direct enough way to the board to say, hey, we need X, Y, and Z in order to compete here now. And they did not back Pochettino. Now that's the end of my kind of defense of Pochettino because I am not a, we need to bring back Pochettino person, but there's a medium between that level of scrutiny and I I say criticism in air quotes because I don't really think that's criticism. I think that's good communication through the media to your board. Versus what we've heard from both Conte and I'll even throw Mourinho in there a little bit in terms of the scathing nature of this club is has has rot at its core and look hands up maybe it does maybe the board really is and for all these Enoch out people maybe the board really is fucking this up royally but they cannot continue to fuck it up royally with the next managerial hire. Like, they cannot continue to go through this cycle of hiring these egotistical, me-me-me managers like Conte and Mourinho. They need to hire someone who's a more, more, more of a balance because you've got to be able to bring the players along with the board. You've got to be able to pull at both strings at the same time, the players and the board and building a program. That's how it has to be done here. And it also has to be from a football standpoint, it's got to be a little more positive. I mean, we've talked about this a lot too. The the nature of the football over these last two managerial cycles has just been shitty to watch. And I think we're all almost of the opinion that if we're not going to win anything and if we're just going to be, you know, getting top four, three out of every five seasons and participating in the process here and maybe making a run at a, at a cup semifinal, whether it's FA Cup or League Cup, every so often and popping into a final every so often, we at least want the football to be fucking entertaining. And it just hasn't been for years now. And that I think, I think there's a real core of fans who believe that. And I think I am almost resigned to, yeah, I want to win shit, but if I'm not going to win shit, I want to have entertaining football to watch. And it just hasn't been for years. And that's also like, I think one of the biggest underlying problems with this whole ordeal that we've seen over the last, I mean, it's, we're talking yeah. three and a half years now of this
2: since Pochettino left. I was going to say, when, we, when were you last entertained? I can't right. really remember a time when, I mean, obviously COVID and everything else, obviously I've been to the football, but I'm really struggling to think of a time when I thought, oh my God, we're playing some really good stuff here. Yeah. To see, what, I mean, I, At least I, on a consistent I, the basis, last time there's, been, that,
0: there's been drips and drabs of it, but it has not been consistent at all.
2: I think well, the only time I, the last game I watched that was really like, obviously it was it was a free one against Real Madrid, but we played like a brilliant game of football that night. It was just everything was flowing, everything was working. Think about how long ago that was. Think about that. that well, that's what I'm saying. It was, it was so long still, ago. It was, yeah, so, it was 2017. Yeah, and that was and to be fair, we talked about Danny Rose, but Danny Rose, say what you want because Danny Rose for for those who do he's from Yorkshire and Yorkshire people are very straight talking, but. He maybe he maybe he saw something ahead of the that thing because this is this is pre-nashville you guys went everyone out to nashville at like the Tottenham and everyone everyone's nashville but he saw something in the club saying that we are not doing something right he called it out he was fine blah 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 and but we didn't make the investments that we needed to so this is not the first time this has happened and nothing really changed so i'm not saying and again danny rose he spoke from someone that was being in the club for a long time, had an interest, best interest in, him in the club doing well. So, all I'm saying with Conte is yes, he's, he, look, I still totally self interested. He said what he said, but there has been an issue at the club for a long time. I mean, I saw a guy at the gym today, seat ticket holder, and we looked at each other and we just giggled because we are now becoming a laughing stock amongst ourselves. If we're a laughing stock and I'm laughing about it with another Spurs fan, imagine what everyone else is doing with us right they're doing the thing they normally not, do it's not just at
1: <laughs> well yeah and it's not just that we're being laughed at i think for me the bigger thing is that we've had this string of managers that have this attitude towards the fans where they talk down to us and basically imply that we don't deserve to believe that good things are possible at our club and i'm sick of that you know
3: yeah no question. <laughs> Uh, the biggest, the biggest, I think, miss with Mourinho and Conte is you look at a guy like Poch, and and there's another point I want to make on Poch after this, but you look at a guy like Poch, I, it feels like they're more like we're, we're right there on the cusp of getting over that final hurdle, and Pach was more like pushing us where Conte and Mourinho are like, here, here's my hand, I'm here, I'm dangling, you know, grab it if you want it, and I don't know, it just doesn't feel right, but I will also say the board has not done a good job in a lot of ways over the last 20 years it ha- it has elevated our status without question and uh, and it you know shivan mentioned you know our 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 strategy around transfers or or the business that we're doing and i i don't remember exactly how he phrased it but that's the biggest miss for me still because in 16 and 17 we had a team that was very capable of winning the league, not only, you know, based on what happened, but on paper, I mean, that team was extremely talented and that was good recruitment from Paul Mitchell. Right. And, and if we can get back to that, I think we're very capable of, of, of doing more than we think in a shorter amount of time, but we need a manager who is willing to play the type of football that we want to play. And we need a manager who also is not at the highest highest level of the game who hasn't been there but is desperate to get there right like Pacchettino was maybe still is But there's others out there but we we are gonna have to invest in someone who has invested in us as we are in them right Conte, i've said it for a long time on this show it's fine i don't mean to say anything like that i'm just i'm pointing to how long this has been happening as soon as he got to the club he separated himself from results immediately right it, Conte was always, always, always talking about himself versus the club. I think when you, when you look at the miracle, he performed getting us top four, he still was saying, we have a long way to go. Like, yes, I, we performed a miracle, but you know, please don't get caught up in thinking that we can really grow from this, whatever he was saying, blah, blah, blah. It was all bullshit. And it was always just setting us up for when this doesn't work. It wasn't me. I've been telling you guys forever. Don't have crazy expectations. Right. So Again, this has been coming for a long time, but back to, back to my point is that we just need a manager who's an, invested in, in the process as we are in them, and we need to get back to good recruitment because we have been very close. We're, we're a bullshit call away from a, a Champions League victory, and, and we really could have won the league in sixteen seventeen because of our recruitment. So the board hasn't been great, but they know how to do it. I think they if they can learn from their mistakes – we're not as far off as we think at times.
0: I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, while there's elements of truth to what Conte says about players and, and the board, I want a manager and this is a really hard thing to do. So I'm not saying like, Oh, just go pluck this manager off the manager tree and bring him in. This is a hard, hard thing to do and a hard thing to find. But I want a manager that, feels honored to manage the club and doesn't feel like he's God's gift and doesn't feel like it's, you know, it's our privilege to have him instead of the other way around. And I know that that's that might sound a little pretentious, but I think that if you the second you have a manager who thinks that he is walking on water around your club because he's better than it, that's a problem. Now, it'd be different if Conte was interested in elevating the club to whatever he thinks his level is, but he doesn't seem interested in that either. He seems interested in in beating it with a rolled newspaper back down and saying, no, come meet me at my level, whatever the fuck that is, rather than lifting it to whatever his level is. And the second we get a manager that feels honored and privileged in the mold of, pochettino because i think that that is that is the last manager I, i'll say for nuno too i think he felt privileged and honored to 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 be the manager at, at spurs but he it just he just wasn't the guy for the moment that wasn't going to work out but, but pochettino is really the, the last one that you felt a sense of he feels honored to be leading this club and until we get to a place of having a manager like that again i i don't know it's just not going to feel it's not going to feel very good. It's not going to feel very, very fulfilling um, it, because these managers, and I I also, I think there are, I've said this in the past, I think there are very distinct differences between the Mourinho eras and the Conte era. Um, so I'm not trying to lump the two of them together, but it it does almost feel like a slight continuation of a bigger problem. And this whole 18 months, I mean, how long did we have Mourinho? It was under two years, right? It was, it was like an 18 month type of deal, kind of like this seems like it's going to be. So, this whole three, three and a half years since Pachtino thing is just I don't know it feels like we're it feels like we're longing for something like that, but don't I don't want us to go directly back to that because I also think that's a mistake, which is a really just a a weird, weird place to be in overall so. I don't know. I don't know where to, where to where to where to go from there. We're gonna keep monitoring Twitter. I know that because by the time you hear this, Spurs may have done it. They may have they may drop drop the drop the bomb on Monday or Tuesday and 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 sack this guy. Of course, it is an international break, so there's no uh, there's no game next week for this team. Um, and we'll we'll kind of see where it goes from there. I I just. I don't know how it can go anywhere but good. So
2: I don't know, shuan You wanted to jump in here with one last thought. I was going to say this is the kind of thing. I know this sounds really stupid because it's an employment thing, but this is the kind of thing you have a meeting with HR, kind of thing. Yeah, and HR aren't going to be until yeah. Monday, which I, which I know it sounds really stupid to say that. but no, I, don't I don't think know it if does. Conte's I think you're right. the weekend I, And I just, I just think it's one of those things where like Conte's probably gone home for the weekend because international break because he would have done it anyway. And they're probably, if they are going to do anything, I think they're going to bring HR in. They're going to bring legal, look at the contract, blah, 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 and say, what position do we have? What are our options? And then decide whether we could, they, could, they can actually fire him. Because it literally, it's one of those things where, because if he has breached the cause, they don't have to pay, they don't have to pay um, a compensation or something. I'm not sure. I don't know contracts. I don't know but it could be one of those things that they have to do that. And so therefore I'm not saying they won't do anything tomorrow or they after, but it's just one of those things where I think you have, you want, you want to have HR and legal look at this before you make any decisions.
0: Yeah. Going forward. I think you're, I think you're right about that. And if it does happen, uh, we'll have plenty of room to talk about it next weekend on the pod. Uh, we're up against it here. Time wise. So we're not going to go in depth on the women's team. Um, but as I mentioned, they did end the long running losing streak in the WSL uh on wednesday with a one nil victory over leicester city which is a very important victory uh they also a day earlier did fire Rand skinner <laughs> which which uh caroline you and the ladies over at NC, uh, n17 women did get into so go listen to n17 women uh if you want more that more in depth and we're going to talk about it too next week we're just we're up against it here i'm content out i'm spursed out i need to go lay down i need to take about a, a, a hockey size a hockey puck sized tylenol to to get rid of the 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 spursy of it all this weekend because it's just i mean i don't even think we really talked about the fact that spurs men are still somehow in the top four after all this shit because of fa cup being played this weekend it's just like we're still in this damn thing but it feels like it's teetering on the edge of of a real a real shit show so mm-hmm. uh but go listen to n17 women for your fix there uh I'm gonna set you all free for the rest of your Sunday because this has just been it's been too much. And I feel like uh I feel like we're starting to talk in circles if we talk about this damn situation any longer. So uh you can follow Shuban at the real Shuban, follow Scott at DSM Spurs, follow Caroline at CG Stephco, you can follow me at A follow us at Tottenham Depot, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That still exists. Uh So go follow us in all those places. Leave us a rating review on your podcast app of choice Uh, until next week, when we will figure out what the hell we're talking about, whether it's a managerial change or why the hell this guy's still in charge. Uh, This has been the Tottenham Depot podcast as always. Come on you Spurs.
3: Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our
0: intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on you Spurs.